Welcome to In Conversation with Ocean Physio. In our third series, we're talking to world-class coaches from across a variety of sports and exploring the methods they use to help others achieve their potential and learning why they do this. In our final episode, we're signing off in style with the legendary golf coach, Graham Walker. Graham, a huge thank you for agreeing to come on our podcast. Uh, my pleasure, Andy. Thanks very much for inviting me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Graham is an outstanding golf coach. Graham is a PGA Master Professional who has twice been voted Coach of the Year in 2014 and 2019. Graham is the lead coach of the England Golf Squad who has worked with virtually every successful English player over the last 20 years, who has also coached numerous tour professionals, including Ryder Cup superstar Tommy Fleetwood, Masters winner Danny Willett, and four-time European tour winners Matt Wallace and Dave Horsey, along numerous other tour winners in the men's and women's game. Graham, do you ever take a moment to reflect on what you've achieved so far? Uh, that's not a bad question, that one, Andy. Um, it, it's really, really nice to to sort of. Um, I've actually got playing in the on my, on the edge of my desk here, um, the golf from Dubai, and I can see what's happening there at the moment. And um, it's nice to sort of sit there and 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 think of of what the players when they came into squads and when you first started teaching them, and you know, have you made them better? Have you improved them as 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 players? And um, you know, if you feel that you have, there's a really, really warm sort of feeling of being involved. Um, an old friend of mine um, who sadly passed away now, a guy called Clive Baker, who, when Sheffield Wednesday were a much bigger club, he used to run the Sheffield Wednesday Football Academy. And um, I used to speak a lot with Clive. He was a, he was one of my, I'd say, one of my mentors. Um, taught me a lot about man management and uh, working with people. You know, he had a lot of difficult young lads from different parts of the city in Sheffield. And he used to tell me at, at times, you know, if you, if you ever had a sort of a, a bit of a down or a bit of a bad day, he used to say, Graham, he said, coaching is having other people's fun. And I've remembered that, you know, for all these years. And um, and it's great to have a bit of fun with the players. And, uh, yeah, sometimes you might think it's stressful and it, and it is. But um, I remember that as a saying, coaching is having other people's fun. Oh, that's great. I remember that. That is because these lads, most of these lads, you've known them since they were teenagers, and they've they've all come with ambitions to go on and play successfully at fifteen, sixteen, eighteen, whatever. And there's loads of people that would would work with people like that who want to achieve that. But you've actually managed to achieve it. Your players go on, but you know, lots and a very high percentage of your players go on to achieve astronomical success. I mean, how does that feel? fantastic and I, it really does you know it uh it really does that that is the point you know when you when you are you're in there and you're having the you're having the fun um i was talking to rob rob note owns the oaks where i where you know I'm, I'm i'm professional and um we were talking the other day about about things and uh he was reflecting upon when players come to the oaks and they come up the drive and um you know how I work with them and where I take them and things, and uh, I'll quite often go into the bunker. I like going in the bunker, and um, we go in there, and and then 
he almost can see how hard somebody will work is how long they will stay there until they can do a number of the things that you, you know, you want them to be able to do, you know, and he's reflected on it a number of times. And, you know, there's been a, a couple of names that have, have, have come out of, have been, you know, unbelievable workers. And uh, that's one of mine. And he says, why do you take them in there? I said, well, I have to ground them. He said, well, what do you mean you have to ground them? I said, well, I have to get them in there because it's one of the things that I can do and sometimes they can't. So I can sort of hit one or two shots and show off a little bit and it sort of grounds and makes them realise they've got a bit of work to do. Well, it's so interesting you say that because... I mean, I, I, I an absolute privilege of working with you for over 10 years. And one of the biggest things I learned from you that you'd said to me was you have to be able to demonstrate. You, you, yeah. you, you set tests for people and you set examples of people. But then the fact that you would then jump in the bunker and it wasn't theoretical, you'd do it. Then that's it. The players are engaged. You've got them. They, they, yeah. they say, well, tell me how to do that. What you've just done there. That's what I want to know. And, and you said that to me. You, you have to be able to demonstrate. And that. I'd never seen that before done quite so successfully by a coach to actually get the buy-in from the player by demonstrating. I mean, it's, it's confident to get in there, but it's the players love it as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the players, they, you want to engage your player, you know, that it, it's, um, I mean, obviously I've just had this recent accident, so hopefully I can get back to demonstrating well as well. But um, the one thing that you, that a player likes to know that, you know your subject you know if you're if you're speaking and you're trying to speak of with real authority and you you you're you're trying to engage the player sometimes they're nothing better than just getting in and hitting an odd shot the beauty about it is you know is that i used to think that you had to be and i take pride in being a good demonstrator but i used to think that you had to be really good and i i still work now well i haven't worked for the last month or so but still up to that point, really work at, at demonstrating, at hitting shots and taking pride in hitting shots. But you know what? The player doesn't expect you to be able to hit it perfect. And what they expect a lot of the time is they expect you to have a go and try things like they are. And if you mess up, they don't, you know, and, and they mess up. It actually, it doesn't matter too much as long as you know what you're working towards and that you trust that what you're working towards is going to make you a better a better player. Um you know, my 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 son's just doing his his PJ at the minute, and um, he, uh, you know, I've been instilling into to him the the you know the the demonstration. But when I first started, the PGA used to have a a little saying. They used to have a saying of explanation, demonstration, and application. And I, th- I think that's what it was. That's just come right off the top of my head, that one. Explanation, <laughs> demonstration, application. You know, you've got to be able to explain it. You've got to be able to demonstrate it. And then you've got to get the player to be able to sort of a, apply it. But the main thing about that that demoing thing is, you know, that is part of the fun, isn't it? You know, you mess up a couple of times and, well, you mess up. But being able to almost laugh at yourself, and I'm, I'm not the best at laughing at myself in that respect, but... Um, but if the player and you are, you're at one and you're trying to improve, that's a great, you know, great thing, great place to be. Oh, it is. And that's, you know, one of the unique things about your particular type of coaching is lots and lots of tests that are very specific, like incredibly specific yeah. scored tests that players would be set a test. You need to go and do this test. And I want to have a number. So, yeah. um, 
for example, I've got I've got an example here from 2012. Uh, okay. But play, players players would hit a hit hit shot from 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, 100, right. 100, yeah. 105, and then they get a point if it goes within a six six point or two points within a six foot radius and one yeah. point within a nine foot radius. Yeah. And that's very specific. There's no hiding from it. It's just a number. Yeah. And you would then be able to, I can remember players saying, you I got this number and you'd be able to say, well, Danny got this number or Tommy got this number. And it's yeah. so clear to a player that they say, well, you're, that's good. But you know, you then know that from 75 yards, you're not as good as you are from 105 yards. And the player would say to you, how do I get better? And then you've got yeah. them in, haven't you? Well, I'll, I'll explain that one to you. It's, it's, um, it's a good, um, it's a very, very good, good drill. And, um, I used to do do a lot of that with um, I used to do a lot of that with Willett and I used to love that with with Paul Waring as well. And Waring got he got really really quite good at it. And the reason that it was um, I'm going to say invented, but that sounds very grand, sort of um, in its inception, was that uh, if a player hit hit the ball into trouble uh, off the tee in the trees, you know, in the rough, whatever it is, you'd often see them. Uh, really try and make up for that bad shot and then try and hit the next one too close to the green, et cetera. So I used to say, look, if you became a, a what I would call a gold standard wedge player between 60 and 105, so at 60 yards, you hit it to six feet and at 80 yards, you could hit it to eight feet and at 100 yards, you could hit it to 10 feet, et cetera, and all those numbers in between, um, you would be better than 50% up and down from between 60 and 105 yards, you'd be the best in the world. And um, that grabbed a lot of players, you know, it sort of, it, it sort of, they started to understand what that was. And then we got to a stage where we tried to get it under on a, on a flight scope now or on the track line, we got it to under 20 yards of difference. So less than two yards of difference per wedge shot. So the best players then are getting under 20 yards. And we got one of the players who got it down 10 point something, 11, 11 yards, which was phenomenal. And then that sort of sense that benchmark of, well, you know, Andy Lamore could do this or Tommy Fleet could do this, you know, et cetera. And, and it gets that sort of, right, I'll beat that. And, and you'd, I get players and I, my phone used to be full, Andy, of photos of players with, you know, loads of skills challenges. I actually got, Yesterday afternoon, late yesterday afternoon, early evening, I got one from um, from from Fleetwood, and he'd done two nine-hole performance points, and he'd done a wedge test, and he'd done it wedge um, distance and lateral, and he put the, the the scores in, and he took a photo and sent it me, and he said something like, oh, "Apologies for the you know the scribble, but here's my results of today," and that, like. You know, one of the best players in the world who is still putting himself to the sword on a Wednesday afternoon, trying to get ready for a tournament. You know, I mean that that they're the sort of things that just fill your heart with joy, aren't they? You know, they're they're so engaged in the process of getting better, not necessarily, yeah, I've shot however many under par today and I'm brilliant, but I'm using this process to get better and I, and I'm believing in this process, not you know, and it's not that lashing out. Oh, this week we were rubbish because we were twentieth and. Next week, you know, and the week before we were brilliant because we were third. It's not that about that too much. You know, if you get the right sort of individual, they start to sort of engage in it. And, you know, like Tommy there, um, 
a lot of the challenges that um, that have got down, you know, I, I um, often say about about Dan, you know, um, he used to take great pride in being the number one player of, you know, in most of the challenges. And there's one that um, he couldn't he couldn't get, you know, but he'd try and try and try and try and try. And it was that that, you know, that need to be the best player that you can be, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely that. And I can remember those those players when I worked with them thinking that these guys absolutely loved the bit that I was doing, the physical side of it, the gym work and the mm. running or whatever we were doing. I think these guys just loved that bit. And then at night we'd talk between the coach and I'd say, I oh, like Danny or Tommy or whatever. They they love my side of the game. And then, and then you were like, no, they love my side of the game. The coach, <laughs> they love my side of the game. Yeah. The site, they love my side. And it's just top players yeah. are totally committed 100% in every aspect. That That's just their yeah. behaviours are that way. And, you know, it's you seem to somehow generate that kind of player who is not frightened of a test, who likes to commit themselves. And particularly, you look at one ball practice. So they don't get 10 goes at trying to get it within six foot. It's, no, it's no. One, one go. No. no. What's, and, the, what's the value of that, one ball practice? Well, one ball is all you get. You know, I have, I have a Brian Hemmings, our pal Brian, you know, uses one of the, the sayings of... Um, uh, that that I've had for a while, you know, we play we play golf with a, and we mark our score with a card and pencil. You know, it's about time to practice with a card and pencil. I think so. Too often do we um, not record things. You know, we don't write things down with a card and pencil. Things are all, you know, they're so um, instant now. And and I and I, I you know I, I'm I'm developing an app for, for my scoring skills thing as well. So. You know, we're in the right in the throes of doing that at the minute, and I and and I think for some of the younger players now, that's that does engage them. But actually, having to write something down is 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 important. You know, is important to to uh, to a player. You know, they've got to be either proud of it or they've got to be you know a little annoyed at it. But whichever whichever emotion it is, you know, they understand what their you know what their score is. You know, right today I was you know, three over par on that challenge or today I was five under par on that challenge. It's just, that's what today is and be proud, be proud of the work that goes into it, not just the, you know, the results at the end of it. And I think that's one of the unique ways that you coach that, that in a group session, a challenge like that would be put on the, on the wall and the leaderboard. So this was the person that was at the top and this was yeah. the person that was 10th. And <clears throat> not hide from the fact that somebody's going to finish last and somebody's going to finish first. And if you're consistently finishing last, you've got to do something about it to get first. And the players would not shy away from that. They would often come and seek you out and say, I don't want to be last anymore. How do I get first? And yeah. that kind of really buys them in, doesn't it? Yeah. And that, that, that's why I, that's why I used to, um, that's why I came up with a lot of the things that I came up with in that, you know, you have to be able to question yourself as a player and you have to be able to question other people around you your coaches your mentors your you know whatever and don't be afraid of those questions you know question yourself question others question people around you and um 
you know, that isn't me criticising a, a, a player or a coach. That's just an absolute, honest, frank observation of that's where you are with that part of your game. Right, so you're either going to do something about it or it's just not going to be good enough. And I would say it in that way as well. I'm not, And that, you might say it's blunt and it's Yorkshire and all the rest of it, which it probably is. But, you know, you get a certain type of player actually just responds to that. Yeah, I get that. Not, well, you know, yes. my. And when you get that, that excuse, well, you know, my coach at home or my, you know, mentor says I'm pretty good at this. And I say, well, they might say you're pretty good at it, but my research and my scores and my system tells you that, tells me that you're not good enough at it. So you've got to do something about it. And that then, and then not being fearful of that as a coach, you know, often talk about opening a can of worms, you open up a can of worms and you've got to be good enough as a coach to close that off. And if you're not good enough as a coach, don't open up that can of worms. And that's why that's some people don't open, open up the can of worms. You know, they just, um, you know, they just pat them on the bum and send them on the way. And I had that, I had that conversation with, with Willett when he was a young lad and, um, uh, he was saying, oh, you know, I'm pretty good at this and that. And uh, and I said, well, look, I said, do you just want me to pat you on the bum and tell you how good you are? Or do you want me to coach you? And he looked, you know, he had that look in his eyes, didn't he, at times. He looked and he went, yeah. uh, I, I want you to coach me. And I said, I, I'm not going to swear on the podcast. But I said, well, just shut up and let's get on with it. And it was like, wow. And he, and he, and he, he did. And then the interesting thing was, is that I remember this, uh, just a few years later, he, he, uh, I was doing, a, we were doing a challenge somewhere and he looked at me and he said, um, do you know the answer to this? I said, yeah, I know the answer. He said, well, let's just shut up, stop messing around and just tell me and let's get on and do some work. And it was like, you know, and he, that was either in the back of his mind or the forefront of his mind from all those years before. But, you know, when you, when you are, um, trying to open up that player and open up that can of worms and you're trying to do that, you better make sure that you're good enough as a coach to give them the answer to help them improve. And just as a as an aside to that, you know, I often say about, you know, within national bodies and everything, you know, it's very easy to over-administrate and under, you know, under-coach and, you um, what you've got to make sure you do is, you, you know, invest in your coaches and make sure that your coaches um, are the best, best people to do the jobs, obviously. And, and yeah, we need all the other things that goes along with it. We need to be looked at, but you need to make sure that the, the, the people who are doing the jobs, you know, they're, they're quality, quality coaches, quality people. And it takes a long time. You know, if you look around, there's a lot of older coaches now, you know, doing, doing work on the, you know, the tours and that. And there's one or two younger lads now as well doing, doing really well. I think it's up to us to, to sort of, it's that, it's that sharing, but letting the, the, the younger guys, you know, gain some knowledge, glean some information, et cetera. But then, the, you know, they've got to have somewhere to coach, haven't they? You know, they've got to have somebody to coach. And um, that's not always easy, is it? Because the, you know, being a tour coach and, and looking after, after Tommy and uh, and and Matt and uh, 
you know, uh, Dieter, etc. You, you, you know, you look at, you look at that, um, and it's not a job that you actually you apply for. You know, nobody puts a an advert in the paper, do they? You know, tour plan, uh, tour coach needed. Yeah. Um, so you know, you get chosen to do that. You can't apply to it. There's a lot of lot of young coaches. I say, oh, I want to be a tour coach. I said, well, unfortunately, you won't ever get the chance. You might never get the chance to apply for that job. You know, somebody will choose you to do that and interview you for that. And um, you've just got to be ready that when that happens, you've got to have your, you know, your massive toolbox ready to, you know, whether it be a few challenges, whether it be your information, whether it be uh, a number of things, but you've got to have your, your toolbox ready and, and you've got to be willing and able then to uh, to go in there and get your hands dirty. Well, you have, and it's, you've earned that right. And there's lots of, lots of reasons for that. But one of the things I always, always noticed about you early on was that you weren't frightened of embracing new developments and particularly the use of technology. You mm. used a phrase, train like a scientist and play like an artist. <laughs> you remember that one? Crikey, have you... <laughs> It's a good I, I use that. I use that the other month with with Fleetwood, and I and I, I said it at the time, and I thought, I wonder whether I've just invented that one or ever I've used that before. I'm really interested that you've said that. Yeah, you've used yeah. it before. Yes, yeah, so and train like a scientist, play like an artist. And then a little yeah, grin, I believe that. Little grin. What does that mean to you? Um, what it means is that you can measure things with science, so you can measure. In, in your, you know, your part of the world, you can measure just how, how much someone can move, how, what ability they have in their movements, et cetera, um, as in, um, uh, in, in, in that, in sort of in yours and in, and in the hidden part of it, you can, you can measure it. You know, you can, you can measure how good somebody is with a wedge. You can measure how good someone is with a, you know, with a five iron. You can measure, you can measure all of these things. So, as you're doing all of those things, um, that's the scientific part. What you want the player to do is you want them to, to have that sort of feeling that um, they can just go out and play. One of, just on top of that, Andy, I mean, I, 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 I looked at um, some of the sort of things that we have. I was writing them down the other day that, you know, in the academy at the Oaks and, um, you know, we got a, we got a, um, a Sam put lab in there. We've got a Capto. We've got a Sam. Uh, sorry, we've got a flight scope. Uh, got a GC quad in there. We've got uh, about half a dozen TV screens. We've got um, an indoor putting green. You know, we've got um, mats that you can wedge off. So, if I measure something, I'm not, I'm not guessing at that. You know, I know we've got a lovely little short game area now where we can go and you know measure things and. All of those sort of all of those sort of things, and um, but then it's giving the player the you know the freedom then to the, if they know they've trained well, they can then free it up and just go and play on the golf course. They can play with freedom. And I was, I was saying something to my both my my my, my kids. Um, I had a little bit of go at um, psychology at school as well. Um, we were talking in the academy, and the, my academy has four four bays in it. And I was saying, um, you know. Uh, yeah, this is confrontation, this first bay. That's when you're in somebody's face and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to really get them to do something. And then the second bay is just letting them see and feel it, see if they can have a go at it. And the third bay is encouraging them. And the fourth bay is playing like a kid. And my son was listening to me. He wasn't very old at the time. He was listening and he, he looked up and 
So you'd like, you, you want to play like a kid? Yeah. And I said, well, when you're a kid, you see a flag, don't you? And I said, whatever club you've got in your hand, you just fire the golf ball, that flag, and you take the consequences of it. You know, you've either got to chip and put it or you've got to put for birdie, whatever it is. So, you know, there's a, there's a freedom to, to doing all of that. And, um, and then he said, no, he said, Dad, he said, you're wrong. He said, uh, Phipps, 1960-something. So I said, what's that? He said, it's this psychology thing I've been learning. He said, um, cognitive, um, associative, and autonomous. I said, yeah, but there's only three parts to that. He said, so what's the fourth part? He said, I said, it's Walker, 19, uh, or 2000 <laughs> and something. Play like a kid, fourth bay. You know, and it was like, you know, and it, you know, when you, you chat, you, your kids are laughing at you, so they're thinking, you know, what do you know here? Like, what's all that about? But it was really, really, it was interesting, you know, that, you know, what you say and what you, you do and then how it's, you know, in and out of, um, been in and out of stuff that, that's been done in the past as well. Well, it is because I remember the first time I watched you on the Sam Putter. So they, these are machines that will monitor the stroke of putting. So you, you're getting information on, on the path of the club head, where, where the ball is being hit on the face of the putter the up and down of the putter as it rises towards the ball, the left and the right, where the balls go. I mean, it's absolutely incredible the amount of information. And there is a risk, of course, of what we used to call paralysis by analysis, where players focus on this so much. How do you make sure that all these numbers and measurements you're taking don't actually complicate your coaching message? Well, with that, um, one or two coaches have asked me that I'd say, well, most of the time when a player comes to see you or you open up that opportunity to coach, um, what, you, what you have is the, the player wants to know what you think. They're asking for your opinion. And don't be afraid to give that opinion, but don't give too many opinions. So... You know, you, you might have one thought or two or three. And what you do is you decipher that information for the player. You, you, you help them with that, um, with making that judgment. You know, am I going to work at my face or my path or am I going to work at the upward, the backswing, the stance? And, you, 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 you know, you're helping put them and mold them into that, uh, into that person so that um, or that person, that player, so that they can, um, you know, they, they, they can do what you think they need to do in order to, uh, to improve. Well, it's, I mean, it's really interesting because when I first started working with you and other coaches in England, I remember thinking, right, this is it. I'm going to learn all the secrets. And when I actually watch you coach, I'm thinking, oh, um, they're only telling them one thing to do. And yeah. it took me time to learn that actually... It wasn't that you could only see one thing. You could probably see 500 things, but you, a quality coach will give a player one simple thing to work on and then a really good player, that's enough for them. They'll work on that one thing and then come back and say, what's next? So yeah, it's do, drip fed, isn't it? Yeah, do, it, it's a, a case of do this first. And then when we, when, we, we, you know, when we get a little bit better at that, you know, this, and what you're doing is you, you're looking at it then saying, well, you know, then, this should happen and that might happen. And you, you, you're looking at it going, um, you sort of, you, you crystal, what I sometimes talk about crystal balling. 
So you, you've got your crystal ball out and you're thinking, right, well, you know, when he gets better at, at sort of that part of it and he just gets that, that alignment a little bit better, then this is going to happen. And then when he gets this part of it, that's going to happen. And it's so what you're doing is you're, 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 you're trying to just see, feel and see what happens next. And when you do that, when that's happened a few times, you sort of get that confidence yourself to, to sort of not rush at it, not try and give too much. Because, you know, I would look at it if I was trying to get better. If somebody gave me, you know, a multitude of things, I would find it difficult. Whereas if they only gave me one or two things, um, I'd find it, you know, doable. You know, I could, I could do that. And the other part of coaching and, and learning, I would say, is, you know, it's not telling the player everything you know. You know a lot of coaches make that mistake. Uh, and and I, I'll have made that mistake as well when I was younger, definitely will have done. Um, it's not about telling the pupil all you know. It's telling the pupil what they need to know. And uh, that's, you know, that, that sort of sticks with me often, you know. Right, what do they need to know? Right, they need to know this, so that's what we'll do. And then having the confidence to tell them that and then waiting for the response from it. And some players... You know you're not going to get a response. You know we'll have talked about it, Andy. You know yeah. you're not going to work with every single player. You're not going to in a in a squad or you know in a in a, in a team. You're not going to work with every single player. You know some some coaches, whether it be the the psych, the physio, the putting coach, etc., are going to be better than others. But when you are ready to work with them, you've got to be you know you've got to be be ready. And um, it isn't about that telling them everything. You just need to tell them what they need at this moment in time and have the confidence to say, I'll have the next bit ready for you, but you've got to do this bit first. And, and that's something that you're, you're very skilled at that I've noticed. And you've kind of talked about tour players. I can remember you repeatedly saying to me that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So what, yeah, what do, do you, what, what do you look for in a player when, when you're agreeing to, to work with them? Do you know? Do you know where that that's up in the golf in the academy now? To yeah. Woodall Spa, that um, what I'm what I'm looking for is that if if I'm going to work hard and I I do work hard, you can ask my wife how hard I work. Um, <laughs> I um, if I'm going to work hard with someone and I'm going to you know look into their golf game and I'm going to spend time watching them play, you know, uh, and I I do like to watch players get out and you know play golf as well because you learn so much um i'm going to watch him play and i'm going to invest in in them that way i'm expecting to them to if i ask them to you know spend an hour spend 50 balls 100 balls whatever it is i'm asking them to to do a certain thing i expect them to work hard at it because i'm working hard you know and if i'm not working hard well then you know, they don't necessarily have to work hard, but I, I have actually had to stop the odd player um, working hard. John Meller, who, who now works with me at the Oaks, he's one of my coaches, uh, along with Lisa, uh, Lisa Jones. And Lisa and myself worked together for 20-odd years now. You know, um, John, I've, I've coached. He told me the other day I coached him for 30-odd years or something, Dad, but, uh, which is an, an, you know, an enormous amount of time. But I remember him working so hard once, I had to sort of slow him down. And, and there's not very many players you have to slow down and just, you know, just take your time with this. Just do this a little bit, will you, first? But with him, we, we did. And, and, you know, if it's any of the players that I'm working with now, um, yeah, I'm expecting them to, 
to to put the time in to put the work in i think that the other day we, we were we were we were talking i was i was, I was actually talking to to, uh, to tom or alan thompson and um you know i i said um he actually came over the i'll just diversify a little bit i just got actually came over the other day him and, and another pal of mine came and took came out and took me for lunch by the way took me for a pie and a pint to cheer me up Lovely. um so he so you've got you've got some good pals sometimes in golf you know but you know we were talking about you know you can talk about lots of things and oh yeah you know this little bit will improve you and you know and your stats will improve you and you know this physical exercise will improve you and this mental thing will improve you etc and i said you know what the one thing about golf is if you could hit every every golf club and you could hit the ball out the middle of every golf club that you own, you're going to become a better player, aren't you? And it's, it's making sure that you, you don't get too far away from the, the meat and drink of golf. You know, you can be working really hard, but without getting better because you're not working hard on the right things. And I think that when you asked before about, you know, working hard at the right things, because we've got all these... Um, uh, you know, challenges and ways of doing stuff. Oh, my, my dog just walked in, by the way. Uh, because we got all these challenges and, and all the rest of it, um, you can actually see where somebody needs to work hard and you can point it out to them where they need to work hard. And, um, you know, as I, as I get it maybe a little more app-based as well, it becomes maybe a little clearer. You know, at the minute I have lots of pieces of paper that I'd shuffle all over the place, but it's more of a coaching file than a, a player's file. If you've got all of those facts at your hands, you can work hard because there's going to be that many things that you need to, to do in order to become a better player. So I think you've heard me speak before about the golf in the athlete. Ten things I would write down, uh, ten section parts of the game. So you're going to be able to put, chip, hit lofted shots, hit bunker shots, pitch, hit iron shots, hit tee shots, to have a, a good physical program, good mental program, and you've got to have course management. And there'd be 10 slightly different things with different players. But, you know, if somebody said, oh, yeah, I've been working hard this week, you know, yeah, I've been doing this, that, and the other, and, that, and I'd then look at it and say, well, just, you know, have you, have you spent your time? And then I'd look at, could look at the golf in the athlete and say, well, still says that you need to improve um, at this hole in hour. It still needs to say that you improve at get more shots um, close with chipping, or it still needs to say that you need to be better iron player, hitting more zones into the golf course. And, um, you know, we, I, I sort of had that together ages ago, and it's it sort of, it's like um, a very, very good worksheet for, for some players that without going over the top. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's players like Tommy, you've mentioned Tommy, who, and, and Alan Thompson. So Alan Thompson coaches his long game and it takes a lot of well, trust. For... He's just re he's retired, by the way, Tommy. Tommy's retired. Oh, the legend. He's still got one. He's still, he's still doing one or two bits, but he's, um, yeah, he's, um, he's trying to, I would say he's trying to retire. He's still, still got one or two players. He is a lovely guy and it takes yeah. a lot of, a lot of, um, humility on his part and Tommy's part to go to another coach and say Tommy was clearly an exceptional player at the time he went to see you but he went from being an, a, a very very good you know obviously tall level short game bear to becoming all of a sudden top 
two top three in all the scrambling stats and all the pitching stats. Yeah, it through working number, for you. Yeah, on. number one. He be, well, he became number one scrambler in, in the states, I think, about three years ago. Which is a, you know, to go from, you know, where he was to 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 what he's what he's done. Um, you know, but again, you know, we talk about the hard work thing. And one of the young lads was was asking me the other the other well, the other month now. Well, how long would um, Tommy do this for? You know, it was a simple, absolute simple chip. You know, it's one of those simple. I say, do it. He'd stand here till he could do it. So what? What? Thirty minutes? An hour? Two hours? You know, I said we'd be sort of two hours at times until he's happy that he feels he's he's got that. Like two hours, one chip. You know, one chip. I said, yeah, that's what that's what good players do. You know, that's what they spend time doing. They they don't. They don't necessarily move until they they can do something. So, you know, that's uh, and but the interesting thing when you talk of you know like like Tomo is often players would um, talk about done some coaching and they say oh yeah um, Tomo told me that in the long game and then uh, oh yeah Graham told me that in the short game as well and when they they it came over the the, the first time and I've, t- I've told this story a few times so I spoke with. With, with Al and um, you know Tommy said oh, I need to do some work in my short game I'm thinking going going and seeing Graham and Tomo said yeah that's a yeah, great idea you know yeah you should definitely do it and um, so this is how people's lives change into I think that was back in about 2016 maybe and uh, he came on the train Tommy came on the train with half a set of clubs mainly irons and wedges um, bag of clubs. I went picked him up from Howden Station in my daughter's car, right? Brought him up to the Oak. So he came over on the train and then he stayed overnight, I think in York, took him into York that night in the car again. Then um, he came in again the next morning. So, you know, he was able to travel on a train at that stage. So Eight years further on, there's no, there's not a chance he could do that, is there? You know, it's, uh, yeah, 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 or seven years. So you know, he, he um, but the interesting thing was, he's, he's, you know, yeah, he got on the train, picked him up at the station, stayed overnight. You came in the next day, had another day's work, etc. And and you know, it just this is only, I don't know, a few months ago now. Certainly, this this uh, certainly some part of last year, you know, he came over uh, with his whole of his family, you know, Claire the, and, and the boys came over, the, the lads played a bit of golf as well, came, did a day's work, stayed overnight in York with the family, came in the next day, did another day's work, you know, went home. You know, that that's commitment. This place, you know, um, Wallace did it the other, you know, a, 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 a while ago, he came up and, um, you know, came up, stayed overnight the night before, came in the next, uh, you know, the next day and, and again, you know, did some work. So, you know, the players do that. They, 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 you know, they invest in themselves. To our time with England, you're one of the key things that I would remember from you is a meticulous planning, very, very organised days and very, very clear expectations on timekeeping, dress code, behaviour, work ethic, taking responsibility for good and bad shots. This is kind of culture, isn't it? This is the Graham Walker way. 
how would well, you how would you sort of describe your culture? Um, sort of treat people as you'd like to be treated yourself. I, I I think that I said that the other way other day to somebody tret. I said, "What's that mean, tret? You know, treat people as like you'd like to be treated yourself. You know, it's a um, you know, and I, I if if I was in a a squad, I would you know I would value that. Um, knowing where I was supposed to be, knowing, you know, what was expected of me and and then trying to, you know, work and live up to those sort of expectations. But, you know, Rids as well, who we both know really well, was was yeah. great at that um, expectations of players and, you know, turning up with your, you know, with your shoes clean and turning up with the right kit on and turning up in the right way, in the right attitude, not just, you know, not just turning up. You turn, you either... T- you know, wearing as a as a, as a great saying, uh, and I, I remember it all the time. You know, go hard or go home. <laughs> and I, I used it the other the other month, and we were doing some Yorkshire coaching, Robbo and myself, and uh, there was um, I think we had six or eight young Yorkshire lads in, and they were very um, sure of themselves. Let's say, you know, and they were um, a bit of a laughing and. Uh, and I knew that some of them hadn't been working. You know, you can just, you can tell, you know, how they move in, how they behave, and they've not been doing what I'd been asking them to do. And uh, and I just sat them down and I said, uh, I'm going to tell you exactly how it is, boys. And, the, you know, there's a bit of wondering whether to laugh or not. I said, I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. This is what, this is, this is the situation. Um, you... If you don't do what I want you to do, that's absolutely fine. And you can continue doing that. I said, but I will find somebody else who does want to do it. And like Robbo looked at me and I said, what have you just, like the young kids said, well, they know now, don't they? <laughs> you know, they know, you know, and they did, they knew. Um, and we had a great day, I tell you. Superb. Yeah, but that that's... That would be something I would remember. Very clear expectations on coaches as well. Um, the, I can remember you player out and saying, "This guy's got a fit, uh, Ferrari golf swing and a Fiesta engine. It's your, <laughs> it, it, it's your, it's your job to sort the engine out and I get on with it." And that was yeah. it. Conversation over. You're not a micromanager. You didn't tell me how to do it. You just said Ferrari golf swing, Fiesta engine, sort his engine out. Done. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. It's over. It's over to me. And as a as a fellow coach working with people, it's hugely empowering that you're not overbearing or not going to micromanage that. But if it doesn't happen, you're going to come and ask the question of why it hasn't happened. You absolutely. know, on me yeah. and the player. And yeah. that's I like yeah, that. Who's it, straight. Who's it, who's it? Who's at fault? Just tell me. It's fine. You know. And then I'll, I'll, we, you know, we can deal with that. And I think, you know, I, I think the hard thing sometimes is. Um, you know, I'm all for, I'm going to say, politically correctness and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think you, we are, you, you've not got to be guarded in what you, you say. If you, you know, somebody asked me the other day, you know, what did you say to, um, to such a body? I said, well, I'll have told him exactly what I thought and I've told him honestly. So what you're telling me there, I said, well, I don't have to fear what I've said because I know I'll have told told the truth i know that i've told them exactly what i think and and i, I think that's a very 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 important when you, with a player you're not beating about the bush players and coaches you're not beating about the bush 
you know exactly what you'll have said, you know. So, you know, let's get on and get the job done. And, um, you know, same same when we, you know, whoever you work with, you know, you don't need that. You need a few minutes at the end of a day to, you know, and we've had plenty of times when we've had a few minutes at the end of the day to to talk about stuff, especially when we used to go up to the Italian in Arcos. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and sort of talk about things, but, you know, I really do think that now what you've got to be in a, in a, in a, um, in a coaching sense and in a team, you know, coaching team, coaching squad is you've got to be able to say what you need to say, not say anything that is wrong, you know, that is, uh, that is wrong in any way, but say what you need to say. And then you've got that very open um, relationship with players and coaches, and then you don't have to worry. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's my, my overriding memory is that players loved it. They responded to that. It was always straight talking, incredibly demanding, but most importantly, just massively fun. Really, yeah. really good fun. And when everyone's working hard towards a common goal, that is hugely motivational. Like they loved it. They absolutely, they knew where they were. If they perform well, they'd be fine. If they didn't, there'd be consequences. It's pretty straight. And they knew where they were and they loved it, but they yeah. all wanted to get on. So. Yeah, they, they had, um, there, there was once a, a squad um, before I was lead coach, way before that, before Rids was, I think, I think um, Keith Williams was at the time and he sat in the room and, um, you know, he said, well, you know, there's 12 players in the room and probably the odds are that only one of you will make it and, you know, and uh, you've got to maybe think of doing other things or whatever else he said. I can't remember exactly, but um I remember I looked at the players and I, and I was teaching three players in that room at that moment in time. I went on to teach one or two more of the others as well. But in the room, there was, um, there was Willett and there was Waring and there was, uh, there might not have been Willett, but there was Waring, uh, there was Horsey. Um, <laughs> That's my dog. My dog. <laughs> There might have been, uh, and, and a few others, you know, might have been the Eddie Peps or whatever. And um, they looked around at each other and they took that as a motivating fact. So that was very interesting for me. You know, he, he I don't know whether Keith knew at the time. I, I think he did and uh, motivated them slightly differently and say, well, you know, you might not make it. You know, you maybe got to think of other things. And, you know, the players sort of looked at it differently. So I think, you know, that man management sort of, um, and like I say, I learned an awful lot of it from from Clyde from Clyde Baker. And uh, you know, he, he used to have a, a little saying, um, a few little things when um, he was teaching, he was coaching down at, at, at the Sheffield Wednesday ground. At, at the, and you uh, say, "Oh, come and watch, come and watch me coach." And um, so I used to go down and watch him coach. And um, he had they gave him the utmost respect, but he never asked for it which was the, one of the most impressive things that, you know, he got the utmost respect, but he never, he never said, oh, you must respect this, do that. He never asked for it. But when the kid came to train him or when the boy came to train him, uh, you know, you sometimes see their dad carrying their, um, you know, the bag in with them. And he say, um, everybody was almost sir or son. Excuse me, sir, he used to say. Um, he's big enough, you know, to carry his own bag. And the, the fellow might say, yeah, but I always carry his bag in. 
no, no, excuse me, sir. Um, he's big enough to carry his own bike. Let him carry it. And then the lad had walked past and he used to say, son, next time you come, don't wear that earring and make sure you've got your cap round the right way. So I used to think, oh, that's interesting. So I'd go there the next week and I'd watch him again. Same thing. The fella had come with a bike. The lad had had the earring and the hat the wrong way around. And he used to say to the, 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 the fella, uh, excuse me, sir. Um, I did say to you last week that, you know, you shouldn't be um, carrying your son's bike. And by the way, I won't be giving you a third chance. And then the lad had walked past and he said, son, I told you last time you came, no earring and wear your cap the right way around. Otherwise, you won't be coming again. And he never had to say anymore. That was him done. And then when he got the football pitch, um, you know, like getting on the course at the Europeans and all that sort of stuff. If he asked them to do something, they did it. You know, and the same thing I've always thought, you know, if you're at European champs or moments or world championships or whatever, and you need a, a player to play a hole in a certain way and give themselves an opportunity, you know, you need them to have that discipline to to do what you're asking them to do, not to just come up with some, you know, harebrained scheme. So, um, you know, I, I, and it, it does, you know, it works that way. You know, you, you can then engender that that discipline on the golf course as well. You're not asking them to be perfect, but you're asking them to do what you've asked them to do. And that's the thing is that you, you can't turn it on when it really matters. The, the kind of standards and the hard work and the behaviours and the, and the quality work is done when no one sees it. It's done yeah. away, for, away from the limelight so that it does really matter whatever it is that you're trying to perform, you know it's there because you've done it when no one was looking. Do you remember that saying we used to have the the uh, the meaning of world class, the the definition of world class is doing something when no one else is watching. Ah, uh, well, there you go. Yeah, that's it. You know, yeah, and that 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 would be, you know, now, uh, you know, could be any of the players we work with now. Their their diff their definition of world class is working and doing things when no one else is is watching, and they do whether they're you know, working at their own golf clubs or working wherever, you know, they do things that um, they put themselves to the sword when no one's watching, you know, and like, like I said about that, Tommy, you know, he, nobody else knows what he's been scribbling in his book. I do, you know, he sent me the photo, but that's like, that, that's that, that definition of, um, of world-class. There you go. I did that yesterday and nobody really knew what I was doing. It's not putting it on Instagram or social media or whatever else it is. It's just, you know the person knowing it, and it's ta it's taken ownership and sharing it with somebody. To, to you know what that number means, and that he's proud of that. You know he's worked yeah. hard, and you know it's it, that is complete ownership. So what motivates you now, Graham? You've done an awful lot in your career, worked with some of the best players in the world, literally. Uh, what's what's motivating you going forward? I'm looking for a bit of it at the minute, and yeah, I'm having you know coming out the other side of of injury. So um, I. The interesting thing is that, you know, I've had a little bit of time to sort of think. Um, I I enjoy working with people who can do what you want them to do, right? So when you're working right at the top of the tree, you're working with people who can actually do what you want them to do. And, um, you know, that that's probably what, you know, probably all I really want to, you know, yes, yeah, stay healthy and happy. I suppose that's one of the, you know, I want to try and, do that, maybe work at my own health a little bit. Um, 
have a, a lovely place down at the Oaks. You know, my academy at the Oaks is is lovely. Maybe, uh, you know, spend a little bit more time there at times. Um, uh, because I enjoy, you know, I'm going to say I enjoy that, you know, and I do, I enjoy that, um, enjoy the, a bit of that day to day stuff, but really just yeah, working with, working with people who can do what I, you know, what I, what I ask them to do, you know, that's, uh, that's it. You know, I can't, um, can't think of, 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 you know, much else really. It's not about, uh, yeah, you know, you, you want players to win tournaments, you want them to do that. But I think that really comes as a as a consequence of of all the things we've been talking about, you know, for all the the hard work, the mentoring, the monitoring, etc. I think it, it comes as a lot of that and it's it sort of getting them to entrust in that so that they can, you know, stay patient enough, have the confidence enough to, you know, move that forward and 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 let the results just you know, come as though it was a, you know, a walk in the park. Yeah, that make, that just makes so much sense. Um, so, and the final question. So, you've achieved what, like, thousands of coaches would love to achieve. Um, what, what advice could you give to, to other coaches? Get, get lucky. <laughs> oh, seriously. Um, invest in yourself, invest in, in, in your way of doing things and uh, and i i often see um young coaches that you know now and again i i'll let i'll let one or two come in and you know watch a session or or whatever and I, and i'm and i think that when you said about what happens next might just answer the same sort of question is that i feel i want to um maybe do a uh, you know a day or two for some young assistants or some young players you know maybe do one or two performance days or one or two sort of coaching days invite a few people along where just help them you know do a quick a Q&A do a whatever else it is uh, maybe giving some give, giving a little bit back as well you know that would be a um, a good thing for me to uh, to be able to do that i think um the advice i other coaches when they've come along and they've watched me coach or they've been around and they've asked a question I say okay right so what have you learned today you know what have you give me some feedback what have you learned today it might be oh, I've learned about this launch handle or I've learned about how to to hit the specific shot or I've learned to um, how to monitor a look at somebody's game whatever it is I say okay I said I'll, I'll tell you I'll give you the deal the deal is now that you go away and work at what you've seen us do. I said, because if you're a good player and you can do it, that gives you the confidence to pass it on to other players. And if you're a good player and you can't do it, you know, the information was probably not, not right for you. I said, but you need to be able to, as a, as a coach, you need to know, not saying back to not saying you've got to be brilliant at it, but go away and have a little work at it and see what you can do so that when you're talking to the player, you're confident in what you can pass on to that that person um, in front of you. You know, you're confident that you know it works, you know. So yeah, you know, if you if you don't work at it and know that it works, how how or why should you pass it on to a player, a young player? when um you know you don't know whether it works or not you just know it's a good idea and you've watched 
Graham Walker or Andy Lamore or Dave Ridley or whatever it is do it. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things I would say with you is that I don't think you necessarily set out, perhaps you did, to, to coach top, a top 10 player or coach no, a minor no. cup player. But no, what no. you completely embraced was zest about was getting better and, and being a better coach and, uh, and understanding more about the golf game, the golf swing, the body and people and yeah. really embracing that you could possibly be. And because you did that for a long period of time, the consequence of that was that you ended up coaching better and better players, or they became better and better through working with you. And then you're, you're, you're going on to coach the best people in the world and you know what to do, <laughs> you know, because, yeah, you, because you've embraced that process for so long. They're going to they're gonna seek out the sort of information they want, they want to use, aren't they? The, you know, a good player is going to seek the information they want to use. And, it, and you know, I, I sometimes say to the, some of the younger players, I said, you know what? If a good player thinks that you're not confident in it, you know, they sniff it out. They're like an animal, like a dog. If they're not confident in you, they sniff it out. You know, they'll not use it. And, um, you know, you've got to be confident in, in what you say. And the, one of the ways of becoming confident in what you say is have a go at what you've been learning and stuff. And, uh, you know, when you're having a go at it, you know, then uh, go, and, go and pass it on. That's brilliant. Graham, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. So great to catch up with you again. And uh, thank you so much for your time and passing on just so much information. Yeah, I've loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Andy. Um, All right. Uh, sorry it took us so long to get together, but uh, um, yeah, good luck in the future. We'll catch up soon. All right. All right. Take, take care. Cheers, Cheers. Bye. Oh, Graham is just an absolute master at engaging and dramatically improving elite players. He uses his vast knowledge base combined with accurate measurements, testing and analysis, and his straight-talking approach to accelerate progress. His record speaks for itself, taking ambitious players with the right work ethic and attitude on to become some of the best players in the world, teaching them how to train like a scientist and play like an artist. He uses competitive practice at its best to get the most out of players. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to him.